Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me, as always, is the amazing and spooky Jonathan Strickland. Hi, Ariel. You're back. I am back, and you're back, and my back is back. Uh, that's that was that was the back that I was really referencing. Oh, is your back? Yeah. Uh, let, let, Ariel, why don't you explain what happened to you? This is this obviously we're we skipped a week. We did not intend to skip a week. Mm-hmm. We originally were hoping to record last week, and then we were kind of hoping to get earlier this week. But there were extenuating circumstances. This time, not even technical that set us back. I mean, technically, it's technical. I <laughs> I threw out my back. Um, I basically ended up having like a giant Charlie horse across my back for a week. Um, yeah. You have to understand that Ariel in her spare time wrestles bulls. And while she was wrestling a bull, she twisted her back in a, in a weird way as she was lifting her arms in triumph. She had already beaten the bull and she's lifting up her arms. And that's when, you know, it just ha- it's a crazy freak of nature thing. One, stop telling people about my secret superhero life. And two, actually, no, I, I wouldn't. As a superhero, I don't think I'd wrestle bulls unless someone was in danger. Uh, but two, that's way better than what actually happened. So can we just say that that's the truth? <laughs> sure. I, as far as I am concerned from this point forward and with my memory being what it is, that is the true story. 
Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm better now. Um, it, and, uh, I'm sad though, because there was so much ridiculous news the past couple of weeks that we wanted to chat about. Um, yeah. And there was some stuff that, you know, was kind of a bummer that we felt like we should chat about, but wasn't fun. Like things like G4 TV, uh, you know, it came back and then it died again. Uh, it was, it was kind of unceremoniously shut down. And then there's this ongoing issue over at Rooster Teeth Productions. And I'm a big fan of a lot of the folks over at Rooster Teeth. So that stuff has been really distressing. So we weren't really looking forward to that, but there were other things that we were going to chat about. Like there was a new trailer for Matilda. There was a story stuff about the Christmas story sequel, like, but some of that news definitely feels stale. So we're going to, we're going to focus on arguably slightly less stale news this yes. week. And until we get to the end of the episode, cause there's just a couple things we just have to talk about. But uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is pretty new. And that is that, uh, we got to see Jodie Whittaker regenerate out of uh, her role as Doctor Who. And spoiler alert, if you have not seen the special, because we're going to talk about who is going to be next. So if you don't want to hear, skip ahead. OK, I think we've given you enough time to skip ahead. So uh, she regenerated into David Tennant. So for anybody who doesn't know, David Tennant was also the 10th Doctor. Um, and... I don't know. A bunch of pe- people found this really surprising. I don't think that I did simply because we knew that he was showing up already. Like it was old news that David Tennant was going to be in a Doctor Who special coming up along with Donna Noble and a bunch of other people. So, um, well, that that's kind of thing happens occasionally because of the time timey wimey nature of mm-hmm. Doctor Who. You occasionally have these stories where former incarnations of the doctor encounter one another or a doctor encounters the companion of a former doctor, that kind of thing. And so that's not unusual. What is unusual is for the first time we have a doctor having a second go, like, like literally being an, an extra incarnation of the doctor. So the 14th doctor being the 10th doctor is odd. And I have some theories on why this is, and they none of them have to do with in-world fiction. It all has to do with meta reasons. Can I ask those theories? Sure. So my theory is that that the last couple of seasons with Jodie Whittaker, through no fault of her own, I think she did a great job, but uh, last couple of seasons I feel alienated some Doctor Who fans. Mm. And I feel like this was... One, an acknowledgement that Doctor Who had sort of lost a little bit of traction. And two, that one way to get people to come back in droves is to bring back a former showrunner and a very, very popular former doctor Mm -hmm. to act in between two other choices for Doctor who you might argue are at the very least non-traditional and possibly polarizing depending upon your audience. And I think that's unfortunate. I think I think there was a subsection of Doctor Who fans who just found it very difficult to accept any woman as the doctor, and I think there are other there's an other unfortunate or perhaps there's a large overlap of Doctor Who fans who find it difficult to accept a person of color playing 
the doctor and to go straight from woman to person of color. I think they figured that was too big a risk. So they went with the safe choice of bringing back one of the most popular doctors in the in the series history to kind of uh, act as a bookend between those two and try and and uh, reestablish a strong base to build on. Mm. That's my suspicion. I would hate to know that I was right well, because it means that people are terrible. Let's hope that you aren't right because Doctor Who always does stuff to to make the long diehard fans happy and and call back to the to their fond remembrances. Right. Um. I I will say. I have, I'm actually very far behind on Doctor Who. I haven't watched the latest season at all. I don't know if I finished the first season with Jodie Whittaker. She is a phenomenal actress, and I love her portrayal of the Doctor. But in the first season, they lost me just because she... And I've talked about this before. It's so old hat. I'm such a broken record. But at least for the first season, she wasn't flawed in, in any way. And like it made it a little bit... I've been trying to figure out why that bothers me because all the other previous doctors have big flaws. And I think that's what helps them keeps them from being like a deus ex machina, you know? Um, and I, I just, maybe it, it makes it a little harder to, to relate to a character who is so perfect. Um, <laughs> well, Ariel, you say that, but you yourself are like 98% toward perfection. So oh, let's get off your eye. Well, horse, okay? You're so kind. Um, I will say after, after that happened, we did get a, a little teeny tiny little teaser trailer for upcoming Doctor Who, where we get to see both, uh, I know you looked up how to pronounce his name, Jonathan, at one point, but is it Nkuri Gatwa? It's close, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the new actor playing Doctor Who, which I know when they first announced him, I was worried because I'm always a little hesitant about super young doctors. He's only 30 even though J- Jody Whitaker is close to my age and that's not old either. Uh, <laughs> but um, in this teaser trailer, we get to see a brief moment of him. And like, I was like, okay, yeah, 100%. So in, um, we also get to see Neil Patrick Harris in the teaser trailer, which I think we knew he were, he was in it, but I completely forgot. And I'm so excited. Cause he kind of looks like a, is it Droog from clockwork orange? Is that what the, Oh, a Droog. Yeah, the Droogs are, Droog just means friend, but oh. yeah, it's just the gang. Yeah. The gang and Clockwork Orange, like it was uh, uh, Alex and his three Droogs, it, Pete, Georgie, and Dim, Dim being really dim. I, see, that makes me want to watch Clockwork Orange, but I know that I shouldn't. <laughs> no, you, you, Ariel, do not watch Clockwork <laughs> Orange. I, I was in a stage production of Clockwork Orange. It is not the story for you. I, I figured, um... But anyhow, Doctor Who is. I am. It is on my short list to catch up this holiday season and um, be prepared for the new awesomeness that's coming our way. But uh, it looks like outside of the UK and Ireland, uh, if you were watching it on HBO Max, you might have to change your streaming system. Yeah, it's uh, interesting because it's coming to Disney Plus, which is. An odd pairing, I would say, like I don't it it, it took me by surprise because I don't think of Disney Plus as a uh, a video platform meant to host stuff that comes from non Disney sources. Really, I think of Disney Plus as being kind of an owned and operated uh, video source. So to hear that they're bringing over Doctor Who to Disney Plus, that that really surprised me. 
Yeah. Um, I'm not against it, though, because I feel like the kind of storing that storytelling that happens in Doctor Who fits right in with a lot of Disney stuff. Also, Disney Plus has a lot of stuff that's like built for Hulu, which is technically Disney, but it's not what you would like immediately associate with Disney, you know? Um, gotcha. Or yeah. or they also, I think we talked about recently, started like an anime division or took over an anime division or included anime in some way on their platform. I'm sorry, I can't remember the details of that. Um, but I'm not against it. If this means that Doctor Who can be in the uh, World Showcase um, at Epcot, if it isn't already, I don't know. Does it? I've, does this mean that Jodie Whittaker is now a Disney princess? I mean, maybe. I feel like she belongs more in like the the Tinkerbell Tinkerbell Never Neverland world than um Yeah, maybe maybe standing, you know, shoulder to shoulder with Merlin from uh yeah. the Sword in the Stone. Yeah. Yeah, Wizard Wizard is the correct choice, I think. Um Yeah. But, you know, I wonder I also wonder if this is like preemptive to since Zaslav is cutting so much of um hbo max and yeah that if if this is preemptive to keep from being cut from hbo max so that they already have a home i don't know that that's it could it could be it could be that the licensing deal was coming up and that as a result of cuts maybe it was that you know warner brothers discovery was willing to let it go uh if it meant they didn't have to pay licensing fees i don't know the insides of that deal but it wouldn't surprise me if that was part of it and of course disney has I don't know if you know this, Ariel. Disney has some deep pockets. Do, do they? I thought like I thought they were a little <laughs> shoestring, little uh, indie yeah, little film house. Boot bootstrapped grassroots. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean from my pocket. Al- I don't from know. My wallet alone, they've got deep pockets. For, like <laughs> I gotta stop going to Disney World. Okay. Ooh, yeah, it's it's pricey. Um, okay. Yeah, but now I want a Dole Whip. I want a dole whip too. Actually, uh, at my at my uncle in law's ice cream shop in Cannonsburg, uh, Pennsylvania, you can get dole whips of multiple nice. flour, flavors. Yes, and their soft serve. If you're in that area, I like they're probably not open right now because it's fall in Pennsylvania, which is colder than where we are in Georgia. Um, but they do open up throughout the year and they're open all summer. Um, they have really good soft serve. There's a higher like fat content in it. And they sometimes serve ice cream cake by the slice. So if you're in that area, you should totally go. It's, it's called <laughs> this Iceberg. Brought to you, this, this episode brought to you by Icebergs. <laughs> We'd like to stop and uh, thank our sponsor, uh, friend of the show. This is not a sponsorship. I just... It's family, right? You all yeah, are family. Absolutely. Okay. Hey, while you're at it, go out there and buy all the books that Brad Strickland wrote. Why don't you? Okay, Look, moving have... on. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> I think that's completely reasonable. Your father is very much a geek and does a lot of geek sphere stuff. And I, I'm pretty sure we mentioned him on previous episodes yeah, anyway. So. Certainly, certainly. Um, uh, including the one that maybe didn't get released. Anyhow, uh <laughs> Yeah. the the next thing we got to talk about is this uh guardians of the galaxy christmas special that's happening that is so much more than i anticipated it being when they first announced it at d23 or or comic-con or wherever they initially announced it i i honestly don't know what i expected um because 
you hear Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special and you're thinking, why? Because the characters don't come across as as touchy, feely, feel warmth in your heart, mm. except for Mantis, who is too pure for this world. She is. But uh, <laughs> but everybody else is kind of a kind of a jerk, which is I mean, they make jokes about that in the other movies. I won't use some of the language that, <laughs> that they <laughs> use to describe them, but they're not they're not great people uh, and aliens. So seeing this where like the general premise being that they're trying to cheer up uh, star Lord because his heart's broken because Gamora doesn't remember him anymore and ran off. Um, so they're trying to recreate a Christmas thing to, to make him feel better. Uh, that, that alone is cute, mm -hmm. but then it looks like it's going to turn into a heist movie where, the thing they're going after is the most brilliant MacGuffin in all of heist movies I've ever seen. <laughs> it really is. I, d I don't even know if we should mention it or if we should just say that you have to go watch this trailer. Um, I mean, it, it, no, we, okay. Skip ahead. <laughs> if you haven't seen the guardians of the galaxy, <laughs> this, this episode is going to be called skip ahead. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, maybe I will call it um, that because I haven't titled it yet. Yeah. So skip ahead. If you don't want the, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special teaser spoiled for you if you haven't seen it yet. But yeah, uh, it turns out that Drax and Mantis are on a mission to, uh, let's say, invite. That's the that's the polite way of putting it. <laughs> invite Kevin Bacon to their little Christmas celebration. Uh, and the most brilliant thing I think about this teaser, and this is tough because there are a lot of brilliant things in it, mm -hmm. but the most brilliant part for me is when they do the little, uh, roll call of characters at the end, it, at the very end of it, it says, and introducing Kevin Bacon. And that made me laugh so hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Um, I, I, it's, it's just so, it's such a, a brilliant choice. I absolutely love it. But, you know, I know you said that it's it's a little bit interesting because the characters are all kind of jerky to each other, but that's not uncommon in, like, Christmas movies. If you look at National Lampoon or Christmas Story or Scrooged or even Christmas Carol, um, there, I mean, jerky people happen at Christmas. Yeah, it's a fact. Of I life. guess I just I guess I just mean <laughs> that holidays. it's hard to think of them it's hard to think of them being in a sentimental setting, mm. you know, like yeah. um, uh, it, it's, it's just, it's, it kind of is, is uh, a stretch, but I am willing to go there. I am sure it's going to be riotlessly entertaining. We've got James Gunn at the helm and he has created two amazing guardians of the galaxy movies so far. We got a third one coming up next year. And uh, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Yes. And you, you better because that's the last you're going to get of James Gunn Marvel, Jonathan, probably like ever. Yeah, uh, this was a heck of a shock. So the same day that the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday teaser came out, we got news that Warner Brothers Discovery has tapped James Gunn to be co-CEO of DC's uh, live action, television, animation division. So James Gunn, who, I mean, obviously he's directed a couple of things for DC already. He did the Suicide Squad sequel and he did the um, the Peacemaker series. So uh, were you about to say Peacekeeper? No. 
Uh-huh. Yes. So anyway, uh, <laughs> so yeah, he's he's no he's no stranger to DC, but yeah, now he's going to be co CEO uh, along with uh, Peter Safran, and that is interesting. Like I've been really curious slash skeptical of how Warner Brothers Discovery was going to get DC kind of on track, and with James Gunn at the helm. Um, or Cohelm, I think that is a really wise choice. I I think it means two things. One, there's going to be a more coherent approach. And two, it is not going to be exactly like Marvel, because I don't think James Gunn is interested in doing that. No, no. Um, Zaslav is very excited about this. Uh, he says that James Gunn and Peter Zafrin, Zafrin have singular and complementary talents. That's a quote. Um and it is interesting to me because they do. They've both done a lot of like horror type stuff. James Gunn through like Troma and and Slither and some others. And then um, uh, Saffron through like The Nun and Annabelle and things like that. And then uh, they've both worked on cheeky superhero movies. So Peter Saffron uh, had a hand in Aquaman and Shazam, which I would say are actually some of the more popular things that DC has come out with. Um, just because they're more yeah, I I put them both behind the first Wonder Woman, but yeah, uh, the first two thirds of the first Wonder Woman that last third. That's Woo! that's that's definitely yes, one hundred percent Ariel. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that last third was a stinker, man. Um, and and that's to say, like Shazam was to me okay, like it was fun, but it was it, tonally it was all over the place. Um, and Aquaman was fun, but it was way too long. Uh, but maybe they'll, they'll, they'll pull each other, each other together. It is interesting because I'm not familiar if they've done anything that's been like family fr- friendly or more heartfelt, like maybe guardians of the galaxy Chris, uh, holiday special is the most heartfelt thing I've seen from James Gunn. I don't know. I'm sure he's done other stuff. I'm just not familiar with it. I mean, slither slither to me is just a big old hug yeah. wrapped in a, a movie about alien slugs that devour you from within. Yeah. And, and like, I, I enjoyed the suicide squad, the new one with James Gunn and I enjoyed Peacemaker, Um, but they both were very irreverent and as fun as it was, like if that's the general, and I'm sure, I'm sure it won't be, but if that's the general milieu for DC, like, like Snyder's DC was colorless and James Gunn's DC is going to be irreverent, but like, I need a breather from that. I'm sure they will do some nice heartfelt stuff, but. Oh yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think we're going to see, um, it go all like wacky James Gunn ish from this point forward. I don't think we're going to see uh, a Batman film, that feels like James Gunn directed it. I don't think we're going to get that. I think it's more about defining the vision and direction for Mm -hmm. DC. I think that's really what we're looking at here. Um, And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make an audible call here, Ariel. Uh, We're going to keep all this in the the podcast. I'm making an audible call on that. I think we should piggyback onto this, the Henry Cavill piece. Yes. I think, I think that's very wise. Um, uh, I, I do also, okay, we'll talk about Henry Cavill and then I've got one last thought before we move on, um, which is great yeah. because my computer is deciding to freeze up and not let me look at our lineup again. Uh, 
which is not the end of the world. At the worst, Jonathan's just going to tell us anything. Okay, so yes. So end of Black Adam, which is not getting great reviews on Run. Spoiler Adam. alert for Black Adam. Skip if ahead. If you don't want to hear... <laughs> You you were launching into it before I could say anything. <laughs> uh, well, it's not a spoiler alert that Black Adam is only got like two out of five. It's not very high on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I, oh no, it's it's. I've seen a lot of. I wouldn't say that it's been trashed by critics, but I think that people said it was just kind of mediocre. It, I think I don't think people were saying it was terrible, but rather just like. Uh, it feels like more of the same and not even the rock can really elevate it. Yeah. Like I've got, I've got people I know who watched it, who enjoyed it quite a lot, but yeah, I've heard a lot of like, it suffered from much like a lot of previous DC needing some judicial editing. It was way too long um, at the mm. least. Um, but there is something at the end of black Adam. Um, now I can see how maybe it was already a spoiler before we said skip ahead, but Oh, well, yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> Uh, um, forgive me. You'll never guess who showed up as Superman. <laughs> uh, James Gunn showed up as Superman. Uh, no, that would be a shock. Pat- no, Pat Henry Oswald. Cavill. <laughs> Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill returned as Superman. Um, he actually got to choose which Superman outfit he was going to wear. So he chose the one that he wore in, in uh, super the, the first time he played Superman. He chose that particular suit. Uh, which uh, is a suit that I absolutely hate, but hey, whatever, you know, he's got nostalgic value for him. And um, uh, yeah, he's he's gone on in interviews saying, yeah, he's he's booked to come back and play Superman in some future DC stuff. And that this was the thing that I really hooked on to. He says he looks forward to playing a joyful yes. Superman. And I thought, oh, my gosh. <laughs> could we get a joyful Superman movie again? That would be amazing. Uh, you know what? It almost makes me it like it almost makes me cry. And this is so dumb because Superman is the most boring of all superheroes. Um. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. It takes a special personality and a special story to bring Superman into an interesting story. And I would say like, say like the 19, what was it? 1978 Superman film with Christopher Reeve, mm-hmm. like Christopher Reeve, made that made him shine on screen like his, both his Clark Kent and his Superman were so fun to watch that it was okay that the story made no damn sense whatsoever Gene Hackman was really fun miscast as Lex Luthor but a lot of fun as Lex Luthor yeah. um so like like I still love that movie even though I recognize like from a story perspective it it's it's real dumb but then again this was also the 1970s and there were some real dumb stories going on in comics at the time yeah so um but to see like to kind of get like maybe a hint of that same sort of spirit from those movies i don't expect anything to be nearly as corny or sincere although i love both those things about the christopher reeve superman movie Mm -hmm. but at least not dour and like apparently reluctant to be a hero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, so I liked, I liked the very first. I, I liked Man of Steel. I know you didn't. Um, not necessarily as a Superman movie. It was not a great origin story because it goes against a lot of. I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum. A lot of stuff that Superman stands for. But like as a general movie, I found it entertaining. Um, but the moments that we have seen Henry Cavill be joyful in Superman 
um, both in Justice League and in in Man of Steel, like that has been delightful. I and I I find myself when I I found myself when I watched it going, I want more of that. So the fact that mm-hmm. he's going to be able to do that, um, I have full faith that he'll be able to uh, be truly endearing as the character. Yeah, I look forward to that. And um, I th- I think there is a balance to be made between being kind of grim and gritty and dark and a balance to be made in being joyful, maybe even a little silly. And uh, and I think once DC hits that, maybe the next era of great superhero movies will be DC films, not Marvel films. Um, There are a lot of people who are kind of complaining in the direction that Marvel has been going because the the most recent films and TV series in the phase four of Marvel, uh, a lot of them got some negative reaction. Not all of them. I mean, I love some of them, but like Doctor Strange, too. I was not a big Mm -hmm. fan of the Eternals was not not for me. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like the the Eternals also could have had judicial editing. Um. (laughs) Yeah, the Eternal. I would have completely changed the chronology of the editing of Eternals because to me it uh it really messed with the tension and uh, I yeah i have huge but, problems with it but at the same time like marvel tv has been killing it for me miss marvel she hulk wandavision hawkeye loved it all um I mean, there are definitely marvel ha- things i'm looking forward to but yeah well what's funny is that hawkeye is something that i saw the first time and it was like uh eh, this is okay i much in- i enjoy it way more upon reviewing it than i did when mm-hmm. i watched it the first time yeah. and it's largely because of uh florence Pugh, yeah. who is so good as as uh yelena she and david harbour are the only reasons i'm excited about is it thunderbolts yeah yeah um but I mean, there are things about Marvel I'm excited about. I, I even liked with Moon Knight how they balanced the the action in the dark with some fun lightheartedness. So uh, it's not to say that Marvel has completely jumped the shark. Also, the, the final thought I had, and if you have more thoughts we can talk about, but this is the final thought I had. I just want to say it before I forget, which is I know I said mm-hmm. we're never going to get James Gunn in Marvel again, but it's not impossible. In the comics, there are Marvel DC crossovers. Thank you, um, actually, for reminding me of that. Um <laughs> <laughs> Ah, great series. Um, actually a game show. If you're not familiar with it, go on YouTube and search. Um, actually. Yes. Uh, I, I do own dropout TV now. Um, (laughs) Oh, awesome. Yeah. I haven't, I'm going to subscribe to that. This episode brought to you by dropout TV (laughs) friend of the show. Brennan Lee Mulligan called me up and said, Hey, Jonathan, do me a solid. Can you tell your four listeners? About Dropout TV. And I said, yes, sir. I, Brennan Lee look, Mulligan, I can. We have more than four listeners and each and every one of you. I love you. Uh, some of them have been reaching out lately. That has been awesome uh, with like family news or cool stuff going on with them. Love hearing from you. You guys rock. Uh, all of you. Uh, I'm just in a goofy mood. Yes. Okay. But we do have more Marvel news now that we've totally dunked on them. Yeah, I, you know what? And I don't mean to dunk on them because it's not like like I don't fully buy into phase four being a misstep. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I think for one thing, they have to reestablish a ground level in order to build back up again, because you can't just build on Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Right. You can't have 
half the universe die and then come back and then say, all right, we're going to build on that and make it even bigger because you've, it's like improv, right? If you make the biggest choice right out of the gate, you have nowhere to go in your scene. Yeah. So you have to reestablish. And I think they've been doing a decent job of that. But one film that both Ariel and I have been anticipating for a while now premiered this week, that being Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And let me preface this by saying when you get people's reactions after a, a world premiere, they tend to be elevated, but the reactions so far have been really um, heartfelt and mm-hmm. positive from the folks who, who saw the premiere. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think so. Like people have tweeted about the premiere. I don't think like actual reviews are allowed to come out yet. Right. Uh, I haven't seen any yet, but I've yeah. seen like the, the tweets and stuff that have come out where they're like, you know, a full review will follow, but here's my initial thoughts. Yeah. The the general consensus I get is it is very much a comic book movie, which mm-hmm. is good. Like if it weren't a comic book movie, you'd be like, okay, well that seems like a mistake. Uh, but but that it's very sincere and it's a fitting tribute to Chadwick Boseman, who yeah. obviously, you know, he passed away from colon cancer and uh, which means that the character T'Challa has been retired. They decided that recasting that character would have been a mistake, yeah. uh, which I think was the right choice. And um, yeah, and that the movie is fantastic. And I saw multiple, multiple people say that the mid credits scene is perhaps the best one Marvel has ever done. L- listen, I, I am so excited for this. I think Black Panther might be one of my favorite Marvel movies. Um, it is one of my favorite Marvel movies. Um, and I expected this one to be fantastic as well. Um, especially once they said Namor was going to be in it. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah, you get the original Marvel supervillain, Namor, yeah. who really becomes more of an anti-hero, sometimes villain, sometimes anti-hero character. But he was in the first fantastic four. Like yeah. he was the first bad guy in the Marvel universe. He's a, I mean, he is a, a jerky jerk character, but they've made him look super intriguing in the trailer. So I'm, I am so excited um, to hear all of this positive review. Um, yeah. It, it, I'm just, I'm very excited for it. I can't wait. I, can't. I feel like I'm going to have to take a box of Kleenex into the theater. With oh yeah. Me. 100 like the movie's gonna start they're gonna do the little marvel logo they're gonna have some tribute to to chadwick boseman in that marvel logo and i'm gonna cry through the entire two hours or whatever yeah if they do the thing where every single character in the marvel logo is black panther or t'challa i will lose it yep 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 uh but then you can go watch ant-man and the wasp quantum mania and um feel better well, I mean, certainly Paul Rudd will be funny in it. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we got we got the trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which reintroduces the character of Kang. And if you watch the Loki miniseries, you've already been introduced to Kang or at least one Kang. As it turns out, there are multiple Kangs because the multiverse. Sensation. Yeah. Yep. So this 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 is the very teeny tiny king because he's in the quantum realm. Oh, he's teeny tiny king. Can. 
Uh, I don't. I don't know. Uh, anyhow, uh, what do you think of the trailer? I. Uh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I. Oh, you were gonna say I want to hear. I was gonna say, but then I realized that I have to think of, think about it a bit more. Well, I, I, I dug it. I think that going to the quantum realm to this unusual like alien landscape is really interesting. It, it's kind of similar to how I felt about the idea of Doctor Strange that these are characters and realms that are meant to be very different from our own. And that to me is interesting to explore that kind of possibility. Mm -hmm. Um, Also any quantum realm that has Bill Murray in it has got my attention. Yeah. Yeah. I, we knew that he was going to be in this and then I completely forgot until the trailer. So it was a happy little for me, (laughs) like just a happy little reminder. Yeah, I can't even remember the character name that he's playing, but I remember I looked it up because I was like, I don't know who this is. And it turns out nobody does because he appeared in like three panels of a I want to say it was a Hulk comic book. Mm -hmm. And that was it. So he's like, there's not really anything about him, which is kind of a good thing. It's a blank slate. And it's just whatever Bill Murray makes him into. I, I. I I now like as we run into these eccentric characters in various uh, Marvel films, I want to I want to have a film that has none of the heroes in it, but has people like Jeff Goldblum, mm-hmm. uh, Benicio del Toro, <laughs> Bill Murray. You want it like a how it should have ended sort of uh, villains lair hang like bar, but with I don't even know if characters. if. I don't even know if villain. Yeah, exactly. Just weirdos. It doesn't necessarily have to be the bad guys, but just like some of the weird because, yeah. So Jeff Goldblum was playing an antagonist, certainly, uh, but he just comes across as just as eccentric as his brother, the collector. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I would love to see maybe like a maybe a Marvel short. You remember the ones that they used to do back around the, the Winter Soldier yeah, time where yeah. they would do these shorts. I would love to see one of those. I, I would love to see that as well. Uh, maybe, ooh, maybe they could bring Ag- in Agnes's unwilling husband from WandaVision into it. Um, <laughs> oh, so we get Quicksilver. Yes. <laughs> yes. Or whatever that actor's name is in the show. I, I want to yeah. say it's Boner, but that's probably not correct. It was something like that. It was some really uh, ridiculous name. Yeah. I, I'm, I also, so. <laughs> I saw the link for the trailer and then I had a bunch of friends responding on, um, on, um, discord. Cause I'm on a bunch of geeky discords with a bunch of people, um, that they're like, uh, another all CGI background movie. And I get like being tired of CGI backgrounds after all of the star Wars and Thor and Doctor yeah, Strange and all yeah. that. But because it's the quantum realm, I'm, I'm, it's easier for me to accept and I think it looks pretty good. And I think it looks fun and exciting. I'm excited to see uh, Ant-Man's daughter um, step into the spotlight a little bit. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, it looks fun to me. I feel like way back in the day, we thought maybe the Black Knight was going to show up in the quantum verse, but he was in Eternals. So I don't even know if that would be possible. I don't know the timeline there. I don't even want to figure it out. It's too much. Well, he's he's also well, yeah, first of all, you can't figure out time with the quantum realm. We learned that because of uh, Infinity War. Um, But I think the other thing to keep in mind is that um, that that the uh, the night is currently apparently uh entangled with blade 
Yes. Based upon the very end of the Eternals, which I never would have gotten unless I accept that I had closed captions on and it told me who was talking. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I I looked it up. Um, I'm, I'm just going to say I didn't recognize uh, I didn't recognize it from the one half line that was said, but I looked it up and then I was like, yeah, cool. it, it makes me wonder, like, how many people in theaters actually picked up on what character was speaking off camera? Because there was like I there wasn't even an indication there that this would be something Blade would be you know, into or interested in or involved with. And so that was one of those moments where I said, oh, it's interesting that that was Blade. Wait, if I had just seen this in the theater instead of watching it at home, I would have left going, I don't know what that was about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, quick aside, I know that we're running out of time and we have some more some more things to talk about. Uh, did you watch Werewolf by Night? I haven't seen it yet. I was going to save that for Halloween. That's what I'm doing too, but I've heard great things about it. And uh it kind of if it is as good as I have heard, then I hope that Blade is also being also kind of a, a spoopy character. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's it'll be really interesting to see how Marvel treats Blade, particularly in a post Morbius world. Yeah. Ooh. Morbius. Yeah. Just like because like they've already done a Marvel vampire movie, although that was Sony, not MCU. Mm-hmm. And it was received so poorly that I think even though there's no actual creative connective tissue between the two uh, studios, that that's going to be a bit of a hurdle for them to get over. Technically, they are in the same semiverse. So, um yeah well this is kind of like when you go to a family reunion and you realize the person you're talking to was married to someone else who was married to someone who was distantly related to you and really there's no connection (laughs) yeah i have not i i will need a lot of help from friends if i'm going to watch morbius i haven't even tried yet um but i got yeah i'm gonna I'm going to need a lot of your pain medication if yeah. I try and watch Morbius. Look, I got through the like the Wayan Brothers D&D movie. I, I, guess, I say Wayan Brothers. <laughs> there is one way in it, I think, um, uh, with my with with a little help from my friends. So I can maybe do Morbius, too. I'm far more looking forward to Renfield with Nicolas Cage and uh, Nicolas, Nicolas Holt than I am ever watching Morbius. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I. I felt like I saw everything I needed to see just in the trailer. And then I did watch several geeky reviews where they kind of tore it apart. Yeah. Like it, it became kind of a spectator sport sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and it, I could tell right away it wasn't going to be my cup of tea. And I just never I, I never looked any further into it. Just like I haven't actually watched any House of the Dragon. Neither have I. Uh, yeah, I have friends who like it. I also hear it's it's pretty gruesome at times, and I don't know. Which you know, Game of Thrones it it kind of follows that House of the Dragon would have all the things you loved about Game of Thrones. You know, the incest and the constant murdering, uh, and dragons setting people on fire. The last one I do like. I do like dragons setting people <laughs> on fire. Yeah, but you're more of a you know a a. Uh, a, a trog door burninating the peasants kind of gal. That is true. Do 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 do. Oh. 
that. But yeah, so the reason why we're mentioning House of the Dragon is that the the series has uh, the first season has concluded and the showrunners are are preparing us for the grim reality that we're not likely to get season two before 2024. Um, has this season two been confirmed? It was confirmed before episode one. That's right. That's right. Aired. I, <laughs> it's kind of like the um, the Rings of Power. Those both got got greenlit for an extra season very early as they battled to become whichever <laughs> streaming series would be the most expensive ever. Yeah. Um, which I don't know, maybe it's going to still be Last of Us. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I haven't watched House of Dragon. If if they're. I'm fine with it taking a year off. Uh, Game of Thrones fans are used to waiting, so. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, to me, it's fascinating because this is a story that's set before all the events of Game of Thrones, like like generations before the Game of Thrones story happens. So it's fascinating to me that there's as big a following behind it because you could argue, well, you, you kind of know where this story ends up because you know that the Targaryens aren't in power by the time you get to the events of Game of Thrones. And you know why they're no longer in power. I mean, that's a big part of the plot, at least, or a big part of the the reason why characters are in the situations they're in at the beginning of the story. And so uh, I, I actually think it's really neat that they were able to pull this feed off of having a prequel series that got this kind of attention, yeah. particularly as I remember seeing reviews for the first episode and they seemed lukewarm at best, mm-hmm. but apparently uh, things really picked up. Yeah, I'm sure I will get bored at some point and watch it, um, even though there's well, like an, you'll have, a season and a half of Game of Thrones I still haven't seen. You'll have to tell me because I refused. Uh, yeah, I fell off Game of Thrones super hard because I had a fundamental disagreement with the philosophy of the story and could not reconcile that. So I don't think I'm going to be going back. I get it. I, I I didn't expect to go back to Game of Thrones, but I did. Uh, largely, again, because friends. But I'll tell you about that if it ever happens. If you tell me about Knock at the Cabin. Yes, this uh, we got a trailer for a film called Knock at the Cabin, which is M. Night Shyamalan's next film. Uh, Shyamalan, of course, has had a really up and down reputation. Mm-hmm. He's mostly known for creating stories that incorporate some sort of massive twist in them to the point where it became almost like a well, I mean, not almost it became a punchline. Yeah, I mean, like uh, I think Robot Chicken used to have scenes in where they have a little figure that was supposed to be M Knight come in and say, what a twist at the end of every sequence. So it definitely became a punchline, but yeah, uh, knock at the cabin looks like it's a take on your classic cabin based horror story. So think of things like evil dead. Uh, you can think of things like some of the Friday the 13th stuff and, the thing it makes me think of the most is Cabin in the Woods, which was kind of a deconstruction I was about to say, I wouldn't, of those kinds of horror movies. I wouldn't movies. call Cabin in the Woods like a typical Cabin movie. No, no, but it was uh, Cabin in the Woods was like a deconstruction for Cabin based horror movies the same way that Scream was a deconstruction of slasher movies, mm-hmm. right? Like the whole purpose is to kind of pull apart 
these styles of stories and examine what makes those stories work or not work in some cases. Well, Knock at the Cabin reminds me a lot of Cabin in the Woods, but not from like that level. It doesn't feel like it's examining anything. It doesn't feel like it's picking anything apart based on the trailer. Uh, But your story is that you've got a, a family, the mom, dad and kid going to a cabin for a little family get family getaway. Um, a stranger appears in the woods and this stranger is played by Dave Padista. So he's about the size of the trees that are around him. <laughs> and he tromps up to the kid and uh, you're, you're sitting there thinking like, is this going to be a Frankenstein's monster moment where this little kid is just going to get absolutely murderized by Dave Batista? He'll power bomber through a tree or something. But um, no, Dave Batista is, is accompanied by three other people who invade this cabin, uh, tie up the family, and then reveal that the family's going to have to make a very terrible choice. Uh, and that's kind of what the trailer leads up to. So it, it's at least implying that there's going to be some kind of sacrifice here and that the whole purpose of this is to prevent the apocalypse, which if you've seen Cabin in the Woods... That's why you would see how I'm connecting it Mm. to that film. It's very similar to a premise of Cabin in the Woods. And the thing is, I don't feel like M. Night is trying to. uh, Trying to subvert that in any way, this feels very straightforward. I'm sure there will be some sort of twist, Mm -hmm. but but it feels like a very straightforward take on that concept. So as I was watching it, I'm like, Oh, this is like cabin in the woods, except without the subversion. I think the last movie that I watched of his, that wasn't the last airbender. Um, <laughs> wow. Jeez. Was signs. Oh gosh. So that was only like the second one, right? Cause there was the sixth sense and then there was signs. Well, I thought Unbreakable was before signs. Maybe, maybe I'd have to, I'd have to look at the uh, filmography. I thought Unbreakable came after Signs, but I could be wrong about that. Um, Um, Yeah, I've seen a few, but honestly, after I want to say Signs automatically told me that uh, while I found Unbreakable interesting, I don't know that I actually liked it. It told me that The Sixth Sense might be the one and only M. Night Shyamalan movie that I actually like. I watched one that was set in an elevator, and I did not like that one at all. <laughs> um, uh, and I haven't watched like old or any of the other ones that came out more recently. Yeah. Oh, I did watch. Um, what was the one? Was it Fassbender who was in it? Um, was it the sequel it was the to Unbreakable? One- it wasn't Glass. It was. It, well, it, you didn't know it was a sequel to Unbreakable until the end of the movie. Oh, by the way, spoiler alert. Skip ahead if you don't want to know. That, that's been out long ending. enough that we're past the spoiler window, Jonathan. <laughs> don't make me feel bad. But I, I don't I don't remember. It was it Splinter or Maybe something like that. Like anyway, it was uh, that one I thought was actually quite good because of the performances. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that I I kind of feel like the sixth sense was sort of the, the early peak of mm-hmm. uh, stories from him for me personally, not, I'm not like objectively it's, saying it's that to but... peak at your first movie or your first well-known movie. I'm, I'm certain he made stuff before then, but 
Yeah. Well, I, and again, that's just my own personal preference. Yeah. Like I'm sure there are people out there who absolutely love the lady in the water. Um, but I am not one of them. The, the one with, uh, Marky Mark and, and the plants. Um. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The one where you, the pollen's out to get you. Um, yeah. Uh, Speaking, I can't remember the name of that one either. Man, I'm really bad at remembering M. Night Shyamalan movies. Speaking of movies that uh, are going to get some mixed reception, let's talk about M3 Gown. <laughs> Megan, Megan, yes. Uh, it's a Model 3 generative android. Um, yeah, so we're late to talking about this one. This is one of the stories we were going to talk about last week. But I kind of wanted to talk about it anyway, because that trailer boy howdy Ooh, did you watch it i did i did um and i what, what how about that dancing it why why was it there jonathan why why to, like to disturb you it wasn't yeah it was disturbing that's the thing i'm like so it's this story about this this girl who i think loses her family is that the what yeah her so yeah she she's orphaned in a car crash her parents are killed in a car crash and she is kind of uh, hoisted off to live with her aunt, her very young aunt. Yeah, who then makes her a friend. She's been, her aunt's been working on like these androids, and she makes her an android friend, which is like a giant doll her size, maybe a little bit bigger. And then that doll goes, that android, sorry, goes evil. Um, which is <laughs> it's interesting because like you can tell that it's just a person in an android costume. <laughs> but but also like there's just enough of the robot design in the outfit to give you that kind of uncanny valley yeah. experience when you look at her especially again when she's dancing uh it's kind of unsettling there are great gifts of her dancing uh, uh, in fact i think i sent you one didn't you did. I, that's before you had even seen the trailer because originally when we were going to record last week we were going to do a mashup of a christmas story and megan i'm so sorry and also you're welcome for not that um <laughs> Maybe we'll still uh, do it closer to Christmas time. Um, but uh, yeah, that gif. And I'm like, okay, now I have to watch the trailer because I have to understand. Is she in like a talent show? No, she's just weird dancing. She's on a rampage and takes a break to do it, to bust some moves. I mean, don't we all do that when we're at, like, you got to, you got to shake out those rampage muscles with a little bit of dancing so that you don't like cramp yeah. up. I mean, look at my back. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that the rock did it a lot in the film rampage that was such which a i have fun not film. seen it was so fun it was dumb <laughs> but it was really fun um even though okay I don't like well you like monsters <laughs> you like big monsters so yeah. I, it was made for you i haven't seen it i was just trying to make a stupid joke uh yeah so the the other storyline that goes along with this is the idea that the the aunt tells megan that megan's job is to protect her niece from harm which beyond just physical harm, but also like emotional harm and that kind of thing. And it appears that Megan takes that directive extremely seriously, which plays into some general fears about AI. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a classic, you know, AI uh, worst case scenario where we build this super intelligent artificial intelligence and then we ask it to bring about world peace and the AI determines that the only way to have world peace is to eliminate all humans. And so it goes about eradicating humanity and then there's peace. Like that's that's your classic Twilight Zone. What a twist ending. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, that movie's coming out. So if you like that sort of 
scary movie. Uh, maybe it'll be for you. But I, I'm done. I know that it's almost Halloween, and we got to talk about scary stuff. And we will, we will end on a scary, <laughs> scary note. Uh, but I want to stop talking about war and talk a little bit about love for a second. <laughs> a different kind of horror. Uh, okay, I, I like the way you started this, but I am not taking the ball. <laughs> You're going to have to run that to the end zone yourself. Okay, so, uh, yeah, we're getting a Barbarella reboot. Um, apparently. Apparently. Even though there's no there's no writer attached, there's no director attached, there's no producer attached, there's no one behind the scenes attached to this project. But we do apparently have an actress attached to play Barbarella. Yes, Sydney Sweeney. I'm not super familiar with her really she's on euphoria she's on uh white lotus yeah Yeah, she's been in she's been a lot of recent stuff really the 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 big thing here the reason why we're talking about it is because why if you're not familiar with barbarella uh it began as a comic book and then was adapted into a film uh it was jane fonda who played her originally right am i right about that yes you are yeah so um uh but it's from an era where, along with characters like Red Sonia, I was talking to Ariel about this before we started recording. It's from an era where your female heroes were typically like pinup calendar cheesecake style characters. Mm-hmm. Like they were typically very curvy and wearing very little. And, you know, either it was skin tight or with lots of interesting holes in the costume so that it was very suggestive. So they, they come across as very uh, juvenile male gaze oriented fantasy mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And the reason I think it's interesting that there's a Barbarella reboot is that I feel like we are not in a climate where that kind of stuff flies, which means either they're going to try and push a retro almost farcically sexy character out there or they're going to redefine Barbarella make her more of a uh, a kick-ass hero who isn't necessarily relying so heavily on sex appeal Mm -hmm. and it will be a totally different kind of story I have no problem with that I do think that if this is just a way of creating more like cheesecake cinema that I feel like we've gotten past that. And it feels like a step backward. Yeah. So like I, there is nothing wrong with being like, if you want to be like, that's the thing, like we've gotten past it, but at the same time, you know, we're, we're in a society where it's like, uh, you, you also want to, encourage the the freedom to express yourself there's nothing wrong if you want to wear a skimply clad superhero costume to me though like the story wasn't strong looking at it as an adult because when i watched it as a young person and didn't understand it you know i didn't know um and i feel like barbarella is less of a hero and more things happen to her and that's where i feel like oh yeah Yeah, like her costumes i don't care about i you know, when I was young and I felt I had more of a body where I was comfortable and stuff like that. I like like I was like, I kind of want to cosplay her. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I, I honestly I also think 
that if someone wants to dress up in a way that they think of as being really sexy, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the issue I have is that the movies and the stories were typically created by men, directed by men, produced by men, putting women into these roles where it feels more like it feels more like the entire product was designed to appeal to horny teenagers, essentially, right? Like it doesn't feel like, oh, this is this is a woman's voice who wants to tell a story and she is owning her own sexuality and her own sexual appeal. And that's all part of her personality. Like if you take it from that perspective, if you create a story with that perspective, I think it could be really interesting. Like you could do a great job with it, but you can't hand it over to a bunch of dudes who ultimately are packaging it to appeal to horny teenagers. Hey there, guys. This is editor Jonathan speaking, dropping in here for a second. So when we were recording this, our little recording tool we use, it failed for Ariel right around this point, and we lost a bit of her audio. So I thought I would jump in and kind of patch things a bit before we get back into the episode. We transitioned from talking about Barbarella to talking about the Silent Hill franchise because we got uh, several trailers for upcoming Silent Hill games uh, during the Silent Hill transmission event. One of those is a remake of Silent Hills 2, and one of those is a game called Silent Hills F, which is set in 1960s Japan. And the trailer for that has some very beautiful visuals that then kind of get undercut by the fact that a lady loses her face. Like, her face peels off her face. And uh, so then we joked about the fact that I have a new fear now. I never worried about my face peeling off before, but after that video, you know, just add it to the crumbling teeth and being late for an exam I never studied for dreams. Okay, that kind of gets us up to speed of where we are when we pick back up. I apologize for the loss of audio. It, uh, it was something that completely surprised us. Every single time we record this, we encounter different technical issues. One of these days, we're gonna have a recording session where nothing goes wrong, but it is not this day. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, you know, um, also, interest of full disclosure, y'all, we had another technical hiccup. This time on Ariel's side, it's usually me. But this time on Ariel's side. So uh, I'm going to continue the sentence I was starting, except I forgot what <laughs> I was saying. So so I'm winging it. But no, I was going to say there are two other games that were also announced, Silent Hill Townfall and Silent Hill Ascension, with Ascension being apparently a um, a joint effort with J.J. Abrams's Bad Robot Games development company. So that could be pretty interesting too i mean jj abrams is particularly known for like incorporating interesting secrets and stuff uh some of the things he's worked on have been related to like uh alternate reality games so maybe there'll be an arg element to that that would be kind of neat and terrifying yeah uh but yeah yeah so a lot of silent hill news yeah um 
which have you have you played? I have played some of one Silent Hills title. Like the thing is, at least for the longest time, I I, I don't even know if it's still the case, but those were like PlayStation exclusive titles. Mm -hmm. And I was not a PlayStation owner. I was either a PC player or an Xbox player. So I missed out on especially horror titles. There were a lot of horror titles that came out just for Sony uh, because the Japanese love their horror. And um, yeah, so I think I've only ever played part of one of those. And I often get them mixed up with the Resident Evil series. Yeah, yeah. Um, Silent Hill did a lot for create uh, did both silent hill and Re- resident evil have done a lot for the horror survival sort of game genre um i've never played them i'm not super familiar with silent hill other than it's pretty much just you're fighting the embodiment of guilt um is my understanding um but these new if you like the games these new ones look real pretty for for certain definitions of pretty <laughs> yeah yeah and uh i think like it's interesting because I think in general, the horror genre of video games has had a real renaissance over the last few years. Like we've seen some incredible titles, especially in the independent Mm -hmm. circle in horror. Like to this day, one of the things I want to do, even though the game is no longer like the new hot thing, one of the day these days, I want to get a bunch of friends who have, decent computers to uh to join up and play phasmophobia with me mm. are you familiar with yes, that you, game you've talked about it i i would say i had a decent computer but today i'm i'm kind of doubting it <laughs> yeah well i don't i have a laptop gaming rig which is barely able to play phasmophobia it was like a cutting edge gaming rig about four years ago but man things change in four years mm-hmm. um but yeah i i I would love to to play some of those horror games because I actually really enjoy a good horror game as long as the horror is not solely reliant on jump scares because those just get old after a while. Yeah, yeah. Eternal Darkness is still my favorite. You guys know that. Yep. We talked about it recently. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, I just thought it was a fun one to end on because as soon as I was like, oh, a new Silent Hill video game let me make a mistake and watch this trailer because it'll scare me too much and then a face fell off and then i was like but wait no there's another silent and there's another one and there's another one and i'm like wait wasn't silent so like the way that my brain like mystery boarded all of this together with with the fact that someone had bought their domain (laughs) in march just was too funny not to talk about yeah and uh, I mean, Silent Hill, like you said, it was one of the the titles that really established the survival horror game genre. Mm-hmm. Like it, that genre wouldn't exist without Silent Hill and Resident Evil. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a uh, it's cool to see all this sort of work going into different creative projects around that. Um, I do find that the overall storylines for stuff like Resident Evil and for Silent Hill often get so convoluted and weird Mm -hmm. from a Western perspective. You know, it could very well be a cultural gap on my part, but they seem so strange that it starts to become difficult for me to connect with those stories because they definitely get very 
absurd and odd in my in my opinion mm-hmm. that um uh maybe that's one one drawback to them for me but i definitely see the amazing contributions they've made to the horror genre in general yeah me too uh well that's all that we are choosing to talk about this week um <laughs> oh no i have one more question for you ariel oh okay what you going for is halloween a tomato good answer <laughs> So I've got a I've got a red shirt that says tomato and then green shorts and I'm gonna put on like a green and red hoodie and put on some like tomato makeup. There's surprisingly little inspiration for uh, tomato themed makeup on the internet um, because I'm allergic and so it's scary. Uh, so yeah, a tomato, maybe a killer tomato, but probably just a tomato. Gotcha. They're deadly enough. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's a that's a decent answer. Yeah. What are you going as? Uh, I'm going as a uh, as a uh, as as Mr. Krabs in spongebob because i'm allergic to shellfish that's awesome yeah that's i hope that's true it's absolutely not true but dang it it. i'm not doing anything because i'm old and boring look i i vaguely thought about going as the color out of space because i still have my nicholas cage pants and my fuchsia tie-dyed shirt but they don't quite fit yeah all right Well, then I guess uh, it's time for us to wrap up this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So if you've enjoyed listening, if you've got an idea for a mashup or you want to talk to us about anything, please reach out to us. You can reach out to us on Twitter at LNC underscore podcast or on Facebook or Instagram at Large Nerd Drunk Collider. Make sure to tag me as well, Ariel Kasten, so that I see it. And, you know, here's just a reminder to all y'all, if you enjoy the show, and you would like to help us out, make sure you review the, the show on whatever podcatching service you use. Uh, tell friends, get folks excited about hearing me get into very goofy moods and talk about silly things while Ariel tries to keep the show on track. Yes. Uh, and until next time, I am Ariel hiding under the sheets cast. And I am Jonathan Owl My Spine Strickland. Too soon. <laughs> the Large Nerdron Collider was created by Ariel Caston and produced, edited, published, deleted, undeleted, published again, cursed at by Jonathan Strickland. Music by Kevin McLeod of Incomptech.com.